Welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture. Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live-action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question... Does this hold up, or did I just ruin my childhood? My name's Megan. And I'm Steve. And Wolfman's got nards. Yes, that's true. (laughs) That's true. We learned that in today's movie that we watched. Yes, and so we are a little bit behind where we wanted to be, but we are talking today about Monster Squad. Monster Squad from the 80s, 1986. Yep. Um, And it was one of the movies I remembered from my childhood, so I wanted to revisit it. Um, But before we get there, we have... Our non-sponsored snack, which today is what I think of as a a classic Halloween candy. Because we're still talking about Halloween, even though it's November. Mm -hmm. And that is the Tootsie Roll. Yes, the Tootsie Roll. Steve, the Tootsie Roll has been described as a chocolate-flavored taffy, but I don't think of it like taffy. Mm -hmm. It's like in between a caramel and a taffy, right? And um, the most interesting detail about this, in my opinion, is that the founder... And the inventor of the Tootsie Roll, Leo Hirschfeld, Austrian Jewish immigrant to the U.S., and he was the son of an Austrian candy maker. So he started a small factory or shop in Brooklyn. And the first thing that he invented before he made the Tootsie Roll was called Bromagellin Jelly Powder. Oh, yeah. Bromagellin Jelly Powder. Yeah, that's a big, that was a big hit with me as a kid. It was a huge hit in the early 1900s before Jell-O. Yeah, and that's it what came, I remember it as. <laughs> it came out just a couple years before Jell-O, and then Jell-O kind of copied it and had better marketing. So it died off. It died off by the 1930s, yeah, because Jell-O just was outperforming it, basically. And by that point, um, Hirschfield had, had passed, and so the company decided to focus more on other candy like the Tootsie Roll. Okay. And so the Tootsie Roll was invented in 1907. He named it after his daughter, Clara, whose nickname was Tootsie. Okay, that makes sense. So we could say Jell-O was responsible for the Tootsie Roll, because if they hadn't put out his first idea, then maybe he wouldn't have focused on the Tootsie Roll. It's possible, because the Bromagellin powder apparently was selling pretty well up till that point. Um, and it wasn't just an unflavored gelatin. It did have flavors. So basically everything we learned at the Jell-O Museum was a lie. <laughs> oh, that they designed completely. Yeah. Made it? yeah. So Steve and I, a couple months ago, had the, the, the great pleasure of visiting the Jell-O Museum in Leroy, New York, which is a very, very small museum. But they talk about how they were the first flavored Jell-O powder. And the truth apparently is that that is not true at all. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, apparently they were not. The mythology of Jell-O has been ruined. Hirschfeld did it. Hirschfeld did it. So Tootsie Roll Industries, the name wasn't adopted until 1966. Um, but according to the company website, the original recipe um, has basically a, a kind of graining process that continues to this day. So they're doing very um, similar process to what they did before. And it's sugar, corn syrup, palm oil, condensed milk, cocoa, whey, soy lectin, and then artificial flavors. Um, I, what are your memories of Tootsie? Did you like Tootsie Rolls? Did you not as a kid? Yeah, I, I mean, they were my favorite, but I ate Tootsie Rolls quite a bit. You always, for some reason, you always ended up with a bunch of them on Halloween because I feel like when people bought, like, mixed bags, they were, like, filler. Yeah, and you'd grab, like, a handful or they'd a say, take take three pieces yeah. and you'd just grab a What couple. I really liked was the Tootsie Roll, the big Tootsie Rolls. The log. With the segments that you could bite off. Yeah. I like those a little bit better, but this is the thing with Tootsie Roll. Like you said, they marketed themselves as like a chocolate toffee or something, but they it doesn't taste like chocolate to me. And that's the issue that it I have. It tastes like Tootsie Roll. Like it's a very specific taste. Yeah. That's the beef I have with Tootsie Roll, that it's not real chocolate and it's not real taffy. It's like in the middle. I what also... I hear you say is you prefer that it were beef. Beef? Yeah, you said... No, the I beef I have. Roll. Yeah, 
<laughs> no, the beef tootsie. A beef tootsie roll is just like a Slim Jim. It's like a meat log. Ooh, a Slim Jim. I could go for a Slim Jim right now. Um, it's a meat log. The reason that I don't... So I'm not trying the tootsie roll today, and I'll tell you why. Because when I was about three years old, I got somehow... Um, they had... You know how they have flavor lip gloss? Mm-hmm. And I got... Tootsie Roll flavored lip gloss, and I thought that it would taste like the candy if I like bit into it, mm-hmm. and I, I ate the <laughs> lip gloss. Yeah, I <laughs> ate cherry lip gloss. I used to eat all the time as a little kid. Oh my gosh, it's just no. waxy. It it makes me so sickish, and now I can't even look at a Tootsie Roll. But also because yeah, they're not real taffy. They're not real chocolate. Coward. Pick a side. Having said that, I could not find any for today, but I do enjoy a fruit chew Tootsie Roll. Oh my goodness! Yeah, those are good. The ones that are different flavor, yeah. like different fruit flavors. And actually, I love those. If I recall correctly, I think I did find them, and then I ate them. Yeah, I love those. <laughs> yeah, the vanilla when, cherry. When, when we were in Ohio a year and a half ago, yeah, the biggest candy store. And we went to the biggest candy store. I got a bunch of just flavored ones. The flavored ones. I had a a, uh, a neighbor who always had a Christmas party, and she would put out bowls of them big bowl so i always think of that as like a christmas candy really yeah it's weird um but lemon lime vanilla orange cherry and since then they've added green apple blue raspberry and grape but those are like a starburst but not as tart yep and that's why i like them i see i think of those as a summer candy oh interesting because they're fruity yeah but i never had access to them in the summer and they're up my alley, because we already know how I feel about Skittles. Yeah, that's true. That's my jam. And last fun fact about Tootsie Roll, <clears throat> this is the first penny candy in America to be individually wrapped. Oh, nice. So before you'd get, like, just butterscotches and stuff that weren't wrapped, and then they, and, like, whorehound candy and things like that. Now they, and they then like, they, they we'll wrap them. this in some rat wax paper, and yeah. they never change the type of paper. Well, they had some issues, I guess, during World War II and getting boxes and, and wrapping and things like that, but eventually they, they worked all that out. But it's interesting, because the Tootsie Log, or the Tootsie Roll Log, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. the bigger version... Is in like a cellophane wrapper. It's not in the same type. Yeah, which is we, which is odd. And usually cardboard is like around. Yeah, it. yeah. Maybe because it's bigger and they don't want to get squished. Maybe, but I don't. Why mm. would you want to eat a tootsie roll log if you don't even enjoy? It? So we always do one out of five for the snack. Yeah. One out of ten for the movie or TV show, and we're doing amulets. Amulets to tie in to Monster Squad. Monster Squad. So. I have to give this four amulets. Okay. Because I do like Tootsie Rolls. They're not my favorite. They're not a five. They're not my favorite. But they're better than average, and I feel like three is average. No, Tootsie Rolls for me are a solid one. This is circus peanut territory. I'm Absolutely not. I'm not, not. Eating that. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever I'm heard. I'm not eating that Tootsie Roll in front of me. I, feel I like actually you don't even know who I am. I, I hate them so much. I don't think I've had a Tootsie Roll since probably since I ate that stuff when yeah, I was. Yeah, so there. you probably don't even under you don't even remember it. All right, well, hang on. We'll pause and I'll I'll, ter- I'll try. No, no, I'll have no, the other, no. I'll have the other no, piece. listen, I can't. I'm sorry. I cannot do it. Oh, I tried. It's like a weird... It tastes like chemicals. There's not really chemicals in it, but it just tastes like... Chem- I can't... I'm sorry. I can't deal with it. Hang on a second. Mm, it's that fake chocolate flavor that's like not enough chocolate, and I don't I don't like it. I don't like it. it it's like... It tastes kind of like dirt and chemicals. So I'm giving it a four. You're giving it a one. This might be the farthest apart we've ever been. I think so. Oh, I feel so far. There's oh, except rift. candy cigarettes there's with a, cheers. There's a rift between us, and it's called Tootsie Roll. Oh, I feel sad in my heart now. <laughs> All right, so... Two and a half amulets. Two and a half amulets out of five. Yes. So really split on the Tootsie Roll, but we'll see how we feel about the movie. Yeah. So Steve, can you give a summary, just a good overview of what is, for people who've never seen it, what is Monster Squad? So Monster Squad is, hmm, well, this is what I want to say. I want to say Imagine the Goonies with Monsters. That's how I kind of felt about it. Because that's kind of what it... It's, yeah. It was around that same time period, and I feel like somebody 
who was writing scripts was like, we need us like a in-town kids adventure, but let's throw in classic monsters. Mm-hmm. So you have a small group of kids who get together and they realize that there are real monsters that have shown up in their town and they have to fight them off and try to stop them. There's an amulet that these monsters are trying to get that will help basically... I'm trying to... I think it basically lets them, like, take over the world. Right, yeah. Right, and allows evil to come back or something. And so the kids have to keep them away from the amulet, find it first, and kind of stop them. And so you have... um just your bait, you're like your original classic monsters, which is kind of nice. Dracula, Wolfman, the Mummy, um, Frankenstein, and the the creature. They call it Gilman, but I the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, we're gonna talk about why yeah. in a minute. <laughs> so that's and and so you that's basically the premise of this movie. Yeah, I think that that's a good explanation. And Goonies meets meets monsters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so. The history behind this movie is kind of interesting. It is considered a cult classic. It did not do well um, its opening. And we're going to start with Fred Decker, who is the co-writer and director. And just a fun fact, he was rejected from several film schools. Really? (laughs) They allowed him into the school um, for USC, but they wouldn't allow him into the actual film department. So he just majored in English. So he got into USC just to get in a film. Haven't we all majored in English? Yep. <laughs> um, so he was just annoyed and just wanted to to make make movies and hang out with his he friends. He did better than most English majors because at least he made a movie. That's true. Neither of us has done that. But we do have this nice podcast. Um, so before this movie, he did Night of the Creeps. And uh, he co-wrote. The Monster Squad with Shane Black. Um, and he's got a little shout out to Monster Squad in Night of the Creeps. Um, Night of the Creeps features alien parasites that get into people and basically turn them into zombies. It's like, almost like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, a little bit. I've never seen it, but I would, I'd like to, like, having read a little bit more about it. And as Steve said, so they have Gilman because... They had some legal problems with Universal because basically they they wanted to use like Universal classics and have kind of like a takeoff on that. Right. And the the thing is that there are some characters like Dracula and Frankenstein's monster that are from books that are in the public domain. So those characters, at least, are public domain, but also the look of them isn't. So it's kind of like like when remakes have been done of The Wizard of Oz. Okay. And Dorothy's shoes have to be silver because that's how they were in the book. The ruby slippers are only in the Warner Brothers version from the 1930s. Gotcha. Right? So there are things like Universal's, like, Bella Lugosi had, like, a deep widow's peak. Frankenstein's monster had bolts in its neck. So there's no widow's peak on the... Dracula. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the bolts. They moved up to the top of the Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. To be at the top of his head instead of on the side. Um, they tried to make the Wolfman character look different. So he's just kind of, he's a werewolf, but he's not specifically like the universal werewolf. Right. And right. the same thing with the mm-hmm. mummy, which could just be any mummy. And then they had <laughs> the only biggest problem was the creature of the Black Lagoon. Which they had to call Gilman. Gilman, yes. <laughs> Which is so stupid. But it's pretty obvious. I mean, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, apparently, Ashley Bank, who is the little sister of the guy who's kind of in charge of the Monster Squad, yep. um, was actually afraid. <laughs> she's got a couple scenes where she screams, and they would basically kind of try to stay in character and not be seen by the kids like when they weren't shooting the scenes that they could get like real reactions and she's done interviews and she's like oh no all my screams are a hundred (laughs) percent i just think that's kind of funny but my favorite my favorite fun fact about this is that the early i have two favorite fun facts but i'll tell you the first one i'm trying not to laugh the first draft of the script you know, this guy had only done one other movie, yeah. right? 
And so he's a little unrealistic and it featured like a scene set in the past with Van Helsing seizing, laying siege on Dracula's castle in a Zeppelin with machine guns. Yes. And 40 vampire brides riding horses. And there, the studio was like, if you shoot this, it will cost more than the entire movie would cost. I feel like that makes it better. I would watch the hell out of that movie. Yeah. Van Helsing hanging off a Zeppelin with a machine gun. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, My other favorite thing is that I watched the trailer and... (laughs) This is how they started. Now, we just did the real Ghostbusters, the cartoon, a little bit ago. The trailer goes, you know who to call when there's ghosts, but who are you going to call when there's monsters? (laughs) Like, they're ripping off everybody. Yeah. They're ripping off everybody. Um, I just thought that was so funny. Duncan Regeher? Regeher? I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm so sorry, Duncan, if you're listening. I apologize for yeah, butchering I'm really, your name. I'm concerned that Duncan's listening. Um, but Liam Neeson was actually supposed to be in the role of Dracula. This around the time that he was doing um, the Lethal Weapon movies and stuff. After oh, okay. he had after he had moved out of like the leading man singing roles of the 1960s. Um, but Duncan beat him out, and eventually Wizard Magazine named him the best Dracula of all time, which I find interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, so those are just some some fun facts about the the making of the film. I think it's interesting that this is the same thing that we ran into when we talked about Hocus Pocus a couple weeks ago, Steve. Yep. That it didn't do well initially because it was released in the summer. So they have this classic monster, very Halloween movie. I mean, it's not Halloween time in the movie, but it's it's every classic Halloween monster. Yeah. And and it was in August. It was I said eighty six earlier. It was an August eighty seven release. Yeah, I just don't why. I don't understand. Yeah, that's that. a bad, Either I, either make it a blockbuster like a July four thing. Yeah. Right when you release your big guns, or do it in near Halloween. I I don't know why they would have made that decision because it isn't. It's also it's not like now where. They had VHS, but things at that period of time, they would take like a year to come out on VHS. If a movie studio did that today, I'd be like, oh, they're releasing it in August so that by Halloween it can be on streaming. Yeah. Right? No, but that wasn't it. Yeah, you're right, because it released on VHS the next year. Yeah. Um, And Laserdisc. (laughs) That's hilarious. In 88. But I would, maybe, you know, you got to kind of think, put your 80s mindset on. And I wonder if they wanted it to be sort of fall because of October, right? Because it is a monster movie. But they wanted to get it in August because it could be played at the drive-ins. Yeah, and also I forgot, too, that movies had a longer shelf life back then. Yeah. Like, now we have multiplexes where stuff comes in and out every week. Yeah. But back then you would have... Unless at the drive-in where you might have a couple screens and you might have two movies playing at the same time um, or three and then they'd have like the second feature. But for the most part, like we had in 87, I think we had one movie theater that played one movie, but it would play it for a couple months. Yeah. Um, and then eventually we had maybe a year or two after that, the mall got a theater and then by the time I worked there, I think there were six theaters at the mall, like right. six in that, in the, yeah. yeah, in that particular cinema. So, um, yeah, I, but I mean, I don't know. It's just then release it at the end of September. It just seems odd to me. And I feel like it was kind of set up to fail. So we'll talk about that though, when we get into reception, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, so that is, we're going to take, uh, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back. We will get into our memories or really lack thereof, and then we'll talk about our full review and recap. Don't change that podcast channel. Yeah, there's no ad this time, so. Okay. (laughs) Don't change it in the five seconds. Bye. All right. Hope that break wasn't too long for you. 
I'm Megan. And I'm Steve. And we are talking about Monster Squad, a movie that I had never seen before I watched it for this show. So tell me about your memories. I have zero, I had never even heard of this movie. It's a travesty. I know. It really kind of is. Yeah, no, I never heard of it. And it's it's weird because it falls into that, it's the right time frame. I mean, mm. 1987, I would have been six, but still you would have thought through VHS or through TV reruns i've never i've never heard of it i've never seen it hmm. that's it that's all for my memories how you, about you you have been eight you're trying to make yourself younger hey <laughs> <laughs> first of all uh I, I no i just can't math <laughs> we talked about majoring in english and this is yeah this is what happens all right yes i would have been eight yeah but my point is right it, that would have been the right around yeah. the right time yeah so so i was 10 that's how I know. I'm like, you weren't six. I was ten. Like, there's not that much of a difference. <laughs> well, I thought 1986, and then I, um, I got confused. I was I ten know. at the time, mm-hmm. and th- I watched this this movie multiple times on laserdisc. I would like to say yes, but no. We did not have a <laughs> laserdisc player, but I may have seen it. Well, VHS would have been 88. I saw it newer than that, and this is how I I think I think. I don't know if I saw it in the theaters. I think I saw it on HBO. Oh, okay. That makes which, sense. if you remember back then, something would come out in theaters, then it would come out in HBO before VHS. Yeah. Right? So I watched this, like, numerous times on HBO or cable. Um, and I was so impressed by this movie and bought into this 100%. That I rounded up a group of my little friends in my neighborhood, (laughs) and we started a monster squad. Yes, and we would go around the neighborhood and patrol abandoned houses (laughs) looking for monsters. (laughs) I don't like your attitude and your ridicule right now. Monster squad is a serious thing. I'm not. That's a great... That's so great. Heads up to Timmy and Eddie, (laughs) and... There's a few other kids, but it, this was 35 years ago, yeah. so I don't remember. But but we had a group, and we looked for monsters. Listen, uh... We protect... Had, I will even say we protected the neighborhood, because no one was ever assaulted by monsters on our watch. And you went into abandoned buildings? Yeah, we sh- we sharpened some sticks into stakes. We had we had a whole... We had a kit, like, in a backpack. I don't like... This is a serious just, matter, and you're not you taking to, it seriously. I just want you to talk about this the whole hour. <laughs> this is the best story, and I never knew it about you. Oh, my God. I okay. saved it for the podcast, because you, you always say, save it for the podcast. Listen, we dated for a year. We were engaged for a year. We've been married for over five years. Just a little just over yep. five years. Seven years I've known you, and I never, <laughs> I never knew this story until <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm probably gonna have to edit all this. I, you guys, I am crying, laughing right now. The picture of little Steve sharpening up some sticks to stake them into the heart of Dracula. Oh my God! I can't even. Take and my it. neighbors, my neighbors had a treehouse, and that was our headquarters. Of course they did. Oh my God! This is so one adorable. Point, there was like, all right, in Texas where I grew up, behind our houses, like where our back fences ended. There was what we used to call the bayou. It's not a bayou, but Texas they have like these long they have like these long irrigation trenches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That are concrete. They're mm-hmm. almost they look kind of like you know when they always show you in movies like in Greece and stuff in LA. Yeah, they drive. They're like them. that but smaller. Yeah. But they're still probably I would say they're probably 30 feet across. Mm-hmm. And you know, and then when they fill with water, you've probably got I don't and know. You have a moat. 3 feet of water that's Probably 15, 20 feet across. Almost okay. like a creek. Okay. But it's in kind of a concrete, concrete. basin, yeah, right? Yeah, I gotcha. So we built a boat. You built a boat. Yes, because how could we look for the... Mo- oh, the, my God. How could we look for the gill monster, Megan, if you don't have a boat? I don't know. It's like you don't even think about Monster Squad. Well, because, listen, I didn't really have friends as a kid. So, like, all this stuff is things that I would never have done. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. That's sad. But not really... Yeah, it is. But That's sad, but don't hijack my Monster Squad I'm story. not. You built a boat. Yeah, to look for headquarters. To look for Gilman, you had this was pretty legit. Yeah, and we there was a number of like right at the we were in a cul de sac, Mm -hmm. and right at the end of right like at the entrance of the cul de sac where the cross streets met, 
there was an empty house on the corner. We patrolled that house regularly. We were able to get in through one of the back windows. Okay. And there was a few others on nearer streets that we checked out. Because, as you know from the movie, abandoned old house is where the monsters are going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I mean, that's true. That's facts. And then you also have a boat and you to have me, a headquarter. This, to me, this is actually pretty impressive all right, organization. organization for a 10-year-old. It is. And did the boat did the boat float? Yeah, it was like it was more like a like raft, a little raft. But yeah, yeah, it floated. You like Tom Sawyer yeah. it up? You had to watch out for water moccasins, snakes, water snakes, because yeah. they were in there. That's how the Gill Man gets you. That's how. Well, you know, we were looking for monsters, and there was real <laughs> there threats. Were real threats. <laughs> so how did this? How did this end? Because you moved, or I don't recall. I, it might have just been one of those things where. I mean, I'd like to say we destroyed all the monsters, and okay. there wasn't a need for the monster squad anymore, but realistically, most likely we got, like, into something different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or like we, like... He-Man takes over or something Yeah, like we that. got into something, you know, another game, or we or we switched our club around. It was the same group of kids, and we all just did, did, did new things together, you know, but, yeah, we probably... Um, within a year and a half is when I moved away, mm-hmm. but we didn't do Monster Squad for that long, if I recall. So I think we just kind of grew into something different, as kids do, but, um, it was pretty legit. I remember just, like, having our backpack and our equipment, and I had my little Monster Squad. I had, like, a, I had, like, a little camouflage muscle shirt. Oh, my gosh. In black parachute pants. I can't With the it. zippers all over them. I, I love you so much, I can't take it. <laughs> I can't take it. This is the best story I've ever heard. Oh, my word. All so, right. yeah, that's my memories of Monster Squad. I can't. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're well, welcome, audience. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I should say, too, I didn't even see Goonies at this age either. So it's possible that this is just one of those things that my parents just thought that I was. I mean, I was a very, I would get a. I would, I have big imagination. So probably they might've thought that it would have been too scary for me. You're going to say you get afraid, but Megan, you still get afraid. We can't watch, we can't watch scary movies past dark. I'm going to edit that out. You you can't be telling those kind of secrets on the podcast. Um, Yeah, I, so I will watch scary movies, especially around Halloween time, but not if it's after dark. (laughs) And one time I watched Twin Peaks by myself like in the cold of February and it was after dark and I, I couldn't, um, this is like, I've seen it, the show before this is like a year or two ago mm-hmm. and you were out of town and I like straight up just didn't sleep the whole night. I was like, yeah. no, I can't deal with it. It's too creepy. I think, I think that my monster squad time, I think it was right. Cause this came out in August. It would have been that winter. Because, okay. you know, it gets darker earlier in the winter. So yeah, that's true. So you can go true. patrol for monsters. That's true. And it's not dinner time yet. All right. And in, I was in Texas where it's like 65 or 70 in the winter still. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. All right. So let's get into the full movie. Yes, the full rundown of the Monster Squad. The full rundown that inspired a young... Stephen Hall to take up arms against the monsters, not water moccasins, but the other monsters in his small neighborhood. So we open with an intro scroll Mm -hmm. that tells us that Van Helsing and a group of monster hunters tried to stop evil a hundred years ago, but failed. (laughs) Yeah, they failed, which made me laugh right off the bat. And it shows them, then it gives us like a little flashback of them attacking the monsters there's the amulet that becomes a big pup piece of the movie later, which opens a black hole and sucks. It sucks all of them into the into the black hole. Van Helsing, a bunch of the like the brides of Dracula, um, some extra monsters that were like in the fight, and his guys all kind of get sucked into this black hole. Yeah, I. What did you think at the beginning? Seeing it back so many years later, is all right. Yeah, it's interesting that they don't start with the kids. Yeah, I mean, I guess they're trying to... I think that, to be honest, I think they could have just done the scroll. 
Yeah, I think so too. And I also, but given what they wanted to do with the Zeppelins and the machine guns. That's true. Um, but I think the scroll is a lot like Star Wars. So there, again, this movie, this is a movie that's very referential of other movies. Yes. Um, and it's, it's interesting to me in that way. So then we come on to the present day, 1980. Yep. Sean and Patrick, we meet, who are two of the Monster Squad. They're kind of, Sean's like the main guy, and Patrick's his buddy. Mm-hmm. And they're getting lectured by a science teacher, and they call him a, a couple not appropriate words for gay people. So this is the first thing that surprised me about this movie, that, you know, when you when you rewatch The Goonies, it, it is... It feels like this movie a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. they have sort of the same feel, which is why one of the reasons it's interesting to me that this one didn't kind of take Ch- off. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but these kids are way... I don't know if they tried to just be like, hey, we want to make them more realistic, or... Like, they swear, and they smoke, and they mm-hmm. pass around dirty magazines. Yep. And, yep. Yeah. They're a lot more... I don't know. They're a lot more. I guess maybe they're they're more like thirteen year old boys are. I don't know. Yeah, and but, they they kind of make fun of the teacher. They call, of course, they they say a few things about him, um, questioning his sexuality. They call like one of the like the English teacher like cat lady because her hair is kind of designed like cat ears a little yes. bit. Um. So you know you have that intro to them that they're supposed to be average kids they're kind of in trouble but it's not a big deal you know so they're not goody two-shoes kids but they're also not like you know big troublemakers and you get that too because then we're introduced to two more members of the group we get rudy who's the cool kid Mm -hmm. he's a little bit older than them yeah and he's not quite part of the squad but sean wants him to be part of the squad Yes, and he, they made some interesting choices with Rudy. Yeah. Because Rudy, we can tell he's the cool kid because he's wearing a T-Bird style jacket. Yeah. And his hair is kind of done grease style, right? Yeah. Like a greaser. Uh, but then he's riding a bicycle with a banana seat. Well, I mean, as you would back then. <laughs> BMXs have... were there. I yeah, mean, we that's did true. rat. Yeah, we did do rat. Um, yeah, the thing with Rudy that's interesting to me and i had that in my notes that you know kind of it reminded me a bit of stranger things where they have you know we have a show now that harkens to the 80s that some of the things in this harken back to the 50s and mm-hmm. he's he seems much more of like a 50s what's that one where they say stay golden pony boy the outsiders the outsiders he looks like a kid yeah, from, the outsiders. Like from the outsiders yeah but we are introduced to him as he saves Horace, who they call the fat kid, and he is the fat member, but they call him the fat kid, and he saves Horace from some bullies. Mm-hmm. So the thing we get to know about Rudy is he's the tough kid, the cool guy, but he has a heart. Yeah, he has a good heart. So he and, acts tough, but on the inside, he does the right thing, Megan. Yeah, and the the the, the dynamics here also reminded me a little bit of Stand By Me. Yeah, very much so. With having, like, the the group dynamic yes. of, like, the cool kid and the kind of nerdy kid who's leading everybody and then the kid who's a little bit chubbier, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So. We, we also meet Sean's little sister, Phoebe. Yes. Who's kind of part of the, a junior member of the monster. And they have a thing about no girls, but then she basically cries to her mom. Yes. <laughs> she gets allowed. She gets allowed. And there's in. one more kid who magically appears during the movie that we're never really interested that we're never really introduced to, but he has a dog that's really cute. He has a little beagle who gets a lot more screen time than he does. Yeah, I wondered about that. And when I was doing the research about it later, I found there's about 13 minutes or so that were cut because they wanted to get this under 90 minutes. Okay. So they might have him in other scenes or introduce him. And then they cut it out. And then they that cut it sense. out because it seems he's a little kid, right? Yeah. A little kid, yeah. He's the younger of the, the boys. And all of a sudden he's just there. Yeah. In the treehouse. With the dog. And the, I noticed the dog first. And I'm like, yeah. oh, the dog. And then the dog sits on his lap. And I was like, who the heck is this kid? <laughs> yeah. We <laughs> haven't really been formally introduced to him. Right. But at any rate. So they're, um, yeah. So that's the Monster Squad. Yeah. That's the Monster Squad. 
that we're introduced to right off the bat. So then it flips to a cargo plane. Yes. And this cargo plane has two pilots who are complaining that they have to fly this plane full of just dead people. It's a bunch of coffins. And then one of them starts moving. Yeah, it does. Who do you think it is? Gilman. No, it's Dracula. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's Dracula. Yeah, Dracula appears and kind of kills one of the guys, I think, and basically drops out these coffins, which I, they're, I think it's, I think it's Gilman, the mummy, him and Frankenstein. Yeah, so it's everybody except the Wolfman. Right. And then he becomes a bat. <laughs> yeah, he just becomes a bat and drops out of the it plane. Drops out of the plane. And then basically has to round up all of his, his, his team. His yeah. squad. Um, the real monster squad, if you would. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, the preteens get a hold of the diary. Yes, they find Van Helsing's diary, which is written in German, so none of them can read <laughs> They're it. They're very excited about it, and then they open it up and they realize that it's in German. Yes. Which I just thought was so funny because, you know, again, we mentioned Goonies, but, like, it's not One-Eyed Willie's map where, like, it tells you everything, like, in perfect English, right? right? Um, So that was kind of of a nice touch there. Yeah, and so we find them, they're talking about that and talking about monsters in the clubhouse as Rudy is looking out, looking through a window from the treehouse at um, Patrick's older sister. Yeah, again, this is a kind of, to me, a little bit of a surprising detail. And I guess maybe it is how guys would act. But are guys going to act like that? Even Rudy, who's supposed to be cool, and he's a little bit older. But the really little kid is there with his dog, Mm -hmm. and then the little girl is there, too? Like, are you going to be But none of them are doing that. It's just Rudy. No, none of of them are doing that. It's not like they realize, well, some of the boys know what he's doing, but most of them aren't. Yeah, and he's kind of, like, commenting on it and watching her while the others are having this meeting. Yes, yeah. You know what's hilarious is, as a 10-year-old, I don't remember this part. Like, that didn't stand out to me, because I was 10, you know, so I'm, I'm, you know, and so that's not something that was hidden. That's not something I assumed was cool about the movie. Right. That is the kind of detail that would make my parents not allow me to watch the film. Yeah. (laughs) Although, surprisingly, I saw Back to the Future in theaters. We also have a few cutaways where we do meet the Wolfman, who is just a normal guy that lives in town, but he is a werewolf. And the police, he, he basically tells the police, lock me up because the moon's coming out. Yeah, and they and think they he's... they don't believe him. No, they think he's nuts. Yeah, and then he turns into a werewolf. <laughs> Which is also kind of cool because then you can see, like, in terms of the monsters, this is somebody who, at least at his core and heart, he wants to be a good guy. He doesn't want to hurt yes. people. Um, but unfortunately, they're, they're like, get the heck out of here. Dracula finds his people, and he... Goes, Except. He finds his people and he goes to a hill that overlooks the town and mm-hmm. says, let it begin in a very <laughs> deep, evil voice. I remember that voice in case I heard it and I had to do away yeah. with Dracula. I mean, you got to get your stakes out. Um, and that's the voice that won him the Wizarding Magazine's best Dracula. That's right. Dracula brings the mo- all of his monsters to the house. Where he has like this kind of like this old mansion. Yeah, this house is a perfect creepy haunted house. It is, and then he goes down the basement where there's a dungeon, and he can he senses I guess the amulet has been like buried in the walls. Mm-hmm. But I wrote in my notes, why is there a house with a secret dungeon in America? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because the amulet. Because, like, when Van Helsing fought him 100 years ago, it was sort of implied it was in Europe. It was, like, in Transylvania. Yeah, they're in Transylvania. Right. Hence um, the diary being in German as well, right? Right, right. Yeah. Um, but they're they're now in in the U.S. and in middle America. Yeah. Apparently houses have dungeons. It, it's, it's supposed to be, I guess, the house. The house, I guess, supposed to belong to Van Helsing's, like, like, aunt, like his offspring. Yeah, and you could even be like, oh, well, maybe it was, like... It, it's this is this is a suburban home, <laughs> yeah, and it's old, but it's not like pre Civil War I, old. I get why, yeah, I get why like the the diary ends up there and the amulet because Van Helsing's like, you know, descendants take them to America to protect them, right? 
but you get to America and you build a house, why do you think, let's put Dungeon in? <laughs> I would, I, you know what I would have bought more? And this is a writing choice, I guess. A bomb shelter. Because mm, yeah. that was big in America in the 50s, the 60s. Yeah, but the house looks like it's been in a state of disrepair for at least 20 years. But yeah. you could have a bomb shelter from like the 30s even. Right. And, and that kind of thing. Um, so then Dracula is like, they need, they need the diary. Yep. Because the diary basically tells them then how to unlock the amulet. Yeah, it has a, it has like a, an incantation that has to be read. Right. So he sends Frankenstein's monster out to get it. We have the scene where Frankenstein's monster comes, comes up on a pond and finds Phoebe. Mm-hmm. The youngest junior member of the Monster Squad sitting by the pond. And now what's fascinating about this is we just talked about a very similar scene in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, but in, in both of these emulate... The original... The original Frankenstein, right? Except the movie. he kills the girl, right? Yeah, he kills the um, kid in that. Well, and he did not Buffy, too. Right. But um, here... Oh, sorry, spoilers. For spoilers. <laughs> sorry, spoilers for last week's episode if you haven't yeah. listened to it yet. Um, but here... Uh, we have her scream, which apparently was very real, <laughs> and then they cut back later to them. Buffy's Buffy's scene with Adam and the kid is like an homage. This is almost shot for shot. Yeah, it really is to the original Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But and that's that, definitely the director loving horror yes. movies. And, and so you're and left sci-fi. to be like, oh my god, what do you do? And then we find out that Frankenstein and Phoebe are best friends now. Oh yeah, they're definitely their best friend times, along with the dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who gets way more film time than the kid that was with the dog. Yeah, I think that that little kid was supposed to be Phoebe's friend. I think that's how he ended up there. That makes sense. Like, he's next door and he's Phoebe's friend. Yeah. And then she brought him into the Monster Squad. Um, But, yeah, so they're best friends now. And Frankenstein's monster, who really didn't want to help, really didn't want to help Dracula and was kind of reluctant, now he's kind of on their side. Right. Um. So in the meantime, the kids also, while all this is going on, they're trying to read the German. Yep. And there's this creepy old man who also lives in kind of a crumbling house. And they're afraid. But they keep debating, should we go talk to him or should we not? But they know he speaks German. Yeah. So they end up going and asking... And he ends up being a really nice old man. He brings them in, he gives yeah. them soda, and he gives them treats, and he tells them all about what the book says. Yeah, he just reads the book to them and gives them some cookies. Yeah, he doesn't judge that they're, like, trying to find monsters. And then he, they say to him, it sounds like you really understand evil, and he's like, you have no idea. And you then the audience, we in the audience see that he has a tattoo from his... Yeah. And he's a survivor of the concentration. Yeah, he camp. closes the door, and as he does, you see on his arm that he has a tattoo from yeah. from the Holocaust. And it's a really solemn moment in this movie, but again, if you were a kid, you might not really know what that I wouldn't have caught that is. at 10, probably. Yeah. But it really was, yeah. So that was interesting. And I also thought it was good a good directorial choice to not explain that, to just have him say, you have no idea, yeah. and we see it. So if you're an adult, you know, and if you're a kid, you don't. Have yeah. to be exposed to the real. It was interesting. It was surprising that that's in this movie was kind of it's kind of a jovial, sort of scary but kid yeah. adventure, yeah. and that's kind of a more solemn, serious point. Yeah. Again, to just have is it's it's like a throwaway scene. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very it's not followed up on. No, but it was interesting. Yeah, and I also I liked this character. This is kind of a trope that we see in some kids' movies of this time of like somebody that you're afraid of, like Home Alone has a similar character, somebody mm-hmm. who's an older person that you're afraid of and then you realize that they're okay. So then we come to a part that also reminded me of Hocus Pocus, and that is the discussion of the need for a virgin. I thought you were gonna say Bette Miller solo. No, yeah, and then Bette Midler comes out and sings a song. About, she sings Beaches or whatever. Wouldn't that be around Wind, the same time? Wind Beneath My Wings. That's right. The movie's name is Beaches, Wind Beneath My Wings. Yeah, so we have, again, um, the older sister that Rudy was spying on. 
Yes. Yep. Before it was, it's Sean's it supposed sister, to be right? a hottie. Yeah. It's Patrick's sister. Patrick's sister. Sorry. Yep. And um, and they they're like, we need a virgin. Is your sister a virgin? Aren't all of you virgins? She's like fifteen or sixteen. She's I not. Think so she probably. Yeah. But they. So they. They basically are like awkwardly trying to ask her. Yeah, that actually that part I did find funny. Yeah, and then so they get her on the team. Yeah, so basically she says that she's a virgin, or at least claims to be, mm-hmm. and she's now on their team, and they're going to read this incantation so that they can have the amulet instead of Dracula and the henchmen who are still with him. Yes. In the meantime, the poor the poor werewolf. The poor werewolf just wants to be a person. Well, when he's a, it's tough because during the day, Dracula ties him up because he during the day when he's a human, he doesn't want anything to do with this. But when he turns into a wolf, he's under Dracula's control. Yeah. So midnight's approaching and the monster squad makes their way to the church for their last stand. Yes. They're going to get the amulet by reading this incantation. And in the meantime, Sean's father is a police detective, which that's one of the things, too, that Sean's been picking up some of these clues about monsters by listening in on his dad's like work stuff. Yes. Yep. And so the kids are the kids. Well, the kids go to the house and they steal the amulet. And on the way to the church, the mummy grabs a hold of the back of the car. Yes, I forgot about that part. And one of the kids, I think it's Patrick, takes out his bow and arrow because just like my real life monster squad, this fake monster squad has made weapons for themselves. Oh yeah, they're they're prepared. Patrick pulls out a bow and arrow and he takes a piece of the mummy's wrapping and fires it to a tree and then it unwraps the entire mummy <laughs> off the back of the car, which is pretty ingenious. Yeah, actually. that's that was a pretty funny um that was a pretty funny bit. So the cathedral doors are locked and they have to read this incantation outside. So Lisa starts reading it and then it doesn't work because she's like, well, it was just that one time and it was kind of like he started she to. Said, she said, she said like, like Zach doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, no, Lisa, you can't just decide that. Yeah. Oh my word. I don't understand what's up with people in the late 80s, early 90s being obsessed with the virginity of children, essentially. So now they have Dracula, yeah, Wolfman, and the creature from the Black Lagoon, like, in their face attacking them at the church in the middle of town, and Lisa has just ruined their entire ceremony yes by lying about her purity now thankfully phoebe's there yeah the old man who's come to help them goes well we have one still and grabs phoebe yeah phoebe's like seven so hopefully she counts yeah now i should say too that they also they had a little girl reading this incantation in the the first scene yes. as well. Um, so they bring in Phoebe, but also all the boys are virgins too. Like, you I have thought to of a... that. They didn't say it had to be a girl. No, which is the joke of Hocus Pocus, that right. it's a boy that lights the candle. Um, That's kind of uh, sexist. Yeah, it's super sexist. Because my guess is like all the boys in the Monster Squad are. If they weren't, would Rudy be looking at Lisa through the telescope? Eh, no, probably still, but no, no. <laughs> he would have, he would be on dates, Steve. They don't have, that's why they're, that's, that's like you and your friends. That's why they have the tree house with no girls allowed. They're not at that point yet. Yeah. Um, so at any rate, the German guy helps Phoebe read, um, Dracula, the mummy, Gilman. No, mummy's gone. Remember? Oh, mummy's already gone. Um, but the Gilman and the Wolfman are defeated. Well, Wolfman wasn't really. <laughs> Wasn't really up for it to begin with. Yeah, he actually turns into a human and says, thank you. Yeah. Dracula arrives. He's going to try to destroy the amulet. And then Frankenstein's monster saves the day. Yeah, well, because he, of course, Phoebe has the amulet because she's reading. And Dracula goes to attack Phoebe. And Frankenstein's monster is like, 
we're not having that because no, that's my best, best friend. friend. Yeah, it's and his best friend. Grabs Dracula by the throat and picks him up like two feet off the ground. Yeah, um, he gets him with a wrought iron cross. Phoebe finishes the incantation. The portal opens. The bodies of the monsters go, and Dracula tries to drag Sean in with him. But just like your monster squad, what does Sean have? He's got a stake. He sure enough does. And he stakes Dracula. Yep. He stakes him, and uh, Patrick grabs Sean. Another best friend save. Just a movie about friendships. And Frankenstein gets sucked into the portal, too. Which is sad. Because he's a monster. But Phoebe gives him her teddy bear. And then Van Helsing comes back. Yeah, and does a thumbs up. Yeah, he's been in limbo. He gives a thumbs up to Sean. Oh, and we forgot with the line that I said earlier. They kick Dracula. They kick the Wolfman. They kick the the Wolfman in the nether regions. And they say, Wolfman's got nards. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Frankenstein's monster lets go of Phoebe's hand. Phoebe's like, please stay. And then gives him her stuffed animal, as Steve said, to remember her by. And then the army shows up. Yeah, the army shows up because the little boy with the dog, who we very rarely saw. Eugene. Eugene wrote a letter to the army saying, monsters, send help. So they did. And they apparently took it seriously. And yeah. were like, yeah, all right. Where are these monsters They were at? like, the kid with the little dog, we got to protect him. Oh. They don't really understand the situation. And Sean comes forward and he's like, don't worry, we took care of it. And he gives him a business card This is monsters. Yeah, he goes, who are you kids? And he goes, we're the monster squad. <laughs> yep. And I use that line very, very many times. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So that's basically that's basically the movie. Um, you know, they had a thing about the movie called Wolfman's Got Nards in 2018. Okay. They kind of um, some of the people had passed by that point, but some of them had not, and so the the remaining people got together and did like a documentary about movies of that type. Right. right. But otherwise, how was the film received? We... So you kind of mentioned that it wasn't a box office hit. It wasn't. Even though the film was a financial failure um, and its initial release, though, um, it sub- subsequently developed a cult following. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 62%, which mm-hmm. is better than half okay. and not bad for the really the amount of people that know it. Um <clears throat> It was. It's got a five point eight eight on Metacritic, um, and Metacritic does like little reviews, and they said a fun eighties adventure with a slightly scary twist. Yeah, which is not bad. Kevin Thomas of the L.A. Times said that it's fun for the kid and all of us. Um, Having seen it as an adult, I kind of feel that that's true. Yeah, and yeah. then the New York Times called it a feature length commercial. For a joke store that sells not great rubber monster masks. See, I don't get that because I actually feel like, oh, I forgot to say in this fun fact that mm-hmm. the guy who played the Gill Man, the creature from the Black Lagoon for all intents and purposes, yeah, he had that costume that he had made for himself. He was a special effects artist. And so he's the, the costume creator is the one who played the character. Yes. Because it fit him perfectly. Uh, the other piece to this, too, is you, you kind of mentioned already, but before, in 2010, um, the Alamo Draft House uh-huh. um, in Texas ran two screenings of the Monster Squad, and they were sold out. Oh, okay. So it was like a, a debut thing. It was like a big thing for it. It was a limited edition poster. Um, and then also in 2018, as you mentioned, um, there was a documentary called Wolfman's Got Nards, exploring the film's influence over 30 years, basically, that had been out. Um, they had a remake that was supposed to happen, and it got canceled. Oh. Um, and so... Would they have set that in the 80s as well, or would that have been set today? Maybe you don't I don't know. know. It was supposed... They started talking about it in 2008. Oh, okay. And so they probably would have For tried to update. make it more updated, but yeah. then it, it ended up falling through, um, as some things do. But I want them to remake this, and I want the original opening. <laughs> With the zeppelins and the machine guns and all that. So that was kind of how it was how it was received. It so, also, yeah, just to add to that, it won some awards too. Okay. 
They won the Young Artist Award for the ensemble, the kids. Oh, okay. And then also the kid who played Sean, um, John Andre Gower, he won a Saturn Award for Best Performance by Younger Actor. Nice. So the Saturn Awards, if you don't know, are for sci-fi for fantasy sci-fi, stuff. Yep. Yeah. So it, it had some good reception, even though it didn't do great at the box office. So what did you think? I really enjoyed this movie a lot. And it surprised me that I had never seen it because it was so good. Mm-hmm. And it did remind me of Goonies a little bit, a little bit Stand By Me, although obviously not as serious as that one. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised. I, You know, this is something that had they taken a little bit of the swearing and stuff out that I could have seen as an early steven spielberg robert zemeckis kind of movie so it's it's really surprising to me that it didn't get the play of some of those other films because it has the feel of like that 80s family movie where kids could enjoy it adults could like we you know back to the future those kind of things like it's that kind of feel um so i mean it's not like I'm not, I can't give it a 10. It's not like my super, super favorite, Mm -hmm. but I have to say that I had to look up a lot of things about it later because I just stopped taking notes and just wanted to enjoy the movie. Right. Especially since it was the first time I was seeing it. So I'm going to go with an eight, solid eight. Okay. Highly recommended for people who haven't seen it before. How about yourself? Well, obviously this was influential in my life. Definitely. I mean, this is like a documentary of Mm. how my childhood was. In the Monster Squad. But, um, I mean, there was a few things about it. You know, I, that's, I'm i going to say that's going to keep me from giving it a 10. Mm-hmm. There's a few things about it now as an adult looking at it. I did enjoy it. It was a bit campy. It was a bit campier than I remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's okay. I think it still was, was a good story. And I think it was something I'd watch again. I mean, I thought it was a decent movie. Um, and it does hold a lot of nostalgia. So I'm going to go with an eight as well. Okay. I enjoyed the campiness. Yeah, I know you do. You like, like campy. Yeah, it's like nostalgic campy. It's not like, you know, corny campy. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So. Yeah. Eight, eight amulets, amulets out of, of ten. ten. <laughs> I almost said out of eight. I, I never do that correctly. Eight amulets out of ten. Wow. So. We're a little bit behind on our schedule just because we had some life stuff come up. And um, because of that, we decided to switch things up a little bit for November and December. We're coming into the holiday season. So Steve and I decided that we would do episodes, Thanksgiving themed episodes of a couple TV shows. Yes. So my pick is a show that I have been wanting to do for a while, and that is Small Wonder. Okay. Small Wonder, if you don't know, is about, uh, it's a sitcom with a family with a robot daughter. I I did not know that. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think it's going to hold up, but we'll see. I was obsessed with it. We'll talk about it. Okay. So, we do have a very quick, what is Steve willing to watch, then we'll talk about your pick. Okay. Um, so we're going to watch the Thanksgiving story, Yes, which is season two, episode 12, but we have a couple other ones. This show can really only be found on YouTube as far as I know. So, um, episode one, season one. So the pilot, Vicky's mm-hmm. homecoming, um, episode 12, Ted's new boss, or season four, episode seven, The Sheik, which just looking from the picture on it looks like it might be kind of racist. Hmm. I'm going to go with the first one. The the pilot. Yeah. Vicky's Homecoming. Okay, great. So, Steve is willing to watch the pilot of Small Wonder. He was not willing to watch my first pick, which was Friends. No, I can't do it. At some point, we'll watch Friends. And maybe I'll watch Friends with a different friend and not Steve. Because Friends was known for their Thanksgiving episodes. But um, I think it'll be fun to revisit Small Wonder. We've got the Thanksgiving episode. We'll watch the pilot. And then what was your pick for your Thanksgiving show? Silver Spoons. Interesting. Yeah. I remember Silver Spoons as a kid. It was being on 
and watching it, in, I, I want to say in the evening time, around dinner time. And so, um, and that has a Thanksgiving episode as well. It actually has a two-parter. Yes. And so instead of doing Thanksgiving episode and another episode, we're just going to do the two parts to the Thanksgiving the episode. The only thing I remember about that show is that they were wealthy and he had a train. Yeah, Ricky Schroeder. Yes. Um, and now, Jason later on, later on, Rick Schroeder. Yeah. He, he and, got serious. And Alfonso Rivera, right? Yeah. Who later did Fresh Prince and then one of my favorite shows, Unwrapped. Right. Yep, definitely. And Jason Bateman. Yep. So there was a good star cast to it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was really good. And basically, if you haven't seen it before, it's uh, Ricky Schroeder and his dad um, are wealthy. Yeah. And They're born with a silver, silver spoon. Silver spoon, yeah. yeah. And then um, the other two play his friends. And, uh, you know, they're always getting into normal teenage hijinks, kind of adolescent. Yeah, I think pre-teen. they're like 13, yeah. 12, 13. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that we're going to watch that. Yeah, so it'll be some fun 80s nostalgia, and we'll look at Thanksgiving, and we'll talk about our Thanksgiving memories. And then we're going to do Charlie Brown Thanksgiving for our Thanksgiving special. Yeah. Which should actually come out on Thanksgiving. I'm sure all of you will have plenty of time to watch, to listen. Yeah. Listen while you're basting your turkey. Yeah, put the turkey in the oven and then listen to Stop Ruining My Childhood. Yeah, forget the Macy's Day Parade. <laughs> yeah, heck, Macy's Parade is, is old school. You want to be entertained, be entertained by us. You know, we were between that and Mouse on the Mayflower, which I enjoyed, but it is like, it's older. It's more from the 60s, even though they played it all the time. Yeah. So, so we're going to do Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, and then a little bit after that, coming up soon, this is episode 45, mm-hmm. and coming up soon, we have our 50th episode, and we're going to have a really fun game, we're going to have a guest, we're going to have a few different foods to to munch on and That's to true. try, and um, we, just ha- we just figured out what food we're going to eat. <laughs> yes, our so. 50th episode extravaganza. Yeah, so it should be a lot of fun, and we look forward to seeing you guys then. Uh, In the meantime, have a great week, everybody. Bye. Bye.